It was a good sermon. I thought it was good. Well, I would have found out because I would have told you and you would have uh, decided and maybe even told me. Um, um, but then I, um, uh, Fewers went away on a mountain bike trip. We came back. I heard Jacinda talking and thought, oh my goodness, we've got some work to do. We've got some things to talk about. Um, so I've, I've canned a hunk of it. I'd like to draw our attention to the passage in 1 Peter that we're looking at. In the middle of it has this verse, which I'd like us to think of. Today's verse, could you read it with me? Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honour the emperor. Now, Peter wrote this in a really scary time. Admittedly, not a Covis 9, I'm locked down in my house and can't go out time. Um, actually, it was m- remarkably more like March the 15th, there's a man with a gun, although um, it was the emperor. And the Greek word that is used throughout 1 Peter for this, for the showing respect, is that of submitting yourself to someone else, which doesn't come easy to any of us. Westerners, we are predictably toey. Um, our response to jump is generally not how high, but Why? Um, we like to give a bit of pushback about that kind of thing. But notably, I'd like you just to notice that it is fear God and honour the emperor. And in their culture, really what they believed was fear the emperor. Honour the gods, but fear the emperor because the emperor can deal to you. But first, look, I'm going to skip great hunks of the sermon. I did want to give you a tiny bit of background which is really helpful when you're looking at a book like 1 Peter. So let's have a listen, little listen to the Bible project. See if this works. So Rome ruled all of these territories around the Mediterranean Sea. And they built their empire by conquering and enslaving their enemies and then imposing heavy taxes. The emperor and his small circle controlled all of the power and wealth, and they knew how to deal with people who threatened the social order. Most people lived without much money or stability. And Roman culture had a very clear hierarchy. Men from important families with money and education could move ahead in society. But women, slaves, children, and the poor were always at a disadvantage and treated as inferior. Yet, in a community of people who followed Jesus, everyone was treated with love and equal dignity. Yeah, in Roman life, it was unheard of for people of high status to associate with people below them. But the apostle said that through Jesus, God had given the gift of his love to everyone without regard to their status. So, so what the Bible project is pointing out is in their culture, the rich were all men, the people in charge were all men, um, and that um, they were the people that you spoke to and gave respect to. And the astonishing thing about the early church was it was the only place where you might find a slave eating with their master, eating with a woman, men and women eating together at one table. And that was unheard of. And it actually upset a whole bunch of people. Um, It meant one of the side benefits of this was that um, actually, and wives in that culture had no authority. Um, Husband could get a concubine, as many concubines as he could afford. Um, Wife, no, had a role. Um, So the odd thing in this is when Peter writes to these guys, he actually honours and writes specifically to slaves and wives, which is really odd because you think these are at the bottom of the pile. These are these guys down below. 
They're the ones who have no power, and yet he singles them out and writes to them. And when he does, he affirms them. He says to the slaves, listen, if you're suffering unjustly, then you're following the example of Jesus. He says to wives, hey, you know, you're connected with this big Christian story, and he refers them, he links this them to Abraham's wife, Sarah, and he says, you're one of their daughters, you are, and look at how important Sarah was. So he's affirming these people on the bottom of the line. He is showing respect. Could you read this with me again? Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God, honour the emperor. Now, I do, look, the passage that we're not reading today, but that we're referring to, has some uncomfortable language in it. There's a passage that talks about wives submitting themselves to husbands. And that has a mixed track record in the church as to what that's, uh, 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 how that's been read. If you are reading it, it's worth knowing that as far as we can see there, understandably, there were a lot of Christian women who had become Christians because why wouldn't you? They suddenly got valued. They had a voice and a place that they didn't have anywhere else. But mostly they're married to non-Christian husbands. And Paul says to them, listen, don't have, Peter says, don't form a revolution. Actually, what he says is, submit to them so that they might be won over. His interest is actually that other people become Christians. And then a little bit later on, there's a warning. If you are reading this, and I do encourage you to do, notice that there's a few, couple of verses directed at husbands with actually a quite strong warning for husbands who are not respecting their wives that suggests that it might mess with their um, prayer lives. Now, they're tricky passages for us because the church has not an unfettered history when it comes to sexism, and we live in a culture where this is not the arrangement. Actually, we aim for equality, um, and actually that is close to Christian roots. But Christian, uh, Peter asks us to live respect. And what does it mean to respect people? Well, I did a tricky tour. I did some research, and here's three words that came up for me, to listen, affirm, and to serve. To listen is to pay attention to. You know where you've really listened when you can say what someone else thinks and they say, yes, that's how I agree, that's what I think. You know you haven't when you can't. I love that Peter does the affirming. I love that in his process of writing to these people on the bottom of the pile, he affirms slaves and the wives, these two categories, and he says... Look, in both cases, he links them with the big Christian story. I think that's fantastic. And serve, well, actually, as a church, we've done a fair bit of that. Um, lots after the earthquake. That's what our Christmas in the park is about, the foot clinic. There's lots of, we do a lot of serving. Uh, some people may look at this and say, that's not really respect. Where's the correcting? Um, I think there's a place for correcting. But I just acknowledge that if you're not doing this stuff and you seek to correct, it doesn't work well. We see that play out on Facebook every day. You have to have more than just, let me tell you how I think the world should be. We, that's not respect. But actually, I didn't want to be all theoretical. Peter's really keen that we respect everyone, including that horrible emperor, including the baddies. What does that look like if we move into today? There are hundreds of thousands of viruses in the world, of which about 260 affect humans. So says Bill Bryson in his book, The Body. 
And this would suggest that it might be yeah, 260 is an approximation, maybe 261. <laughs> Our world changed, it feels like overnight. Um, epidemics aren't new. Um, in the 16th century, um, the Black Plague hit London every year. And the Christian tradition when it comes to this is not to run away, but run towards. Christians, you can read Martin Luther talk about this. Christians girded up their loins, because they had those back in those days, and they knew what gird meant, which we don't. And they ran towards the places of trouble because they believed that when you serve the sick, you are serving Jesus. They were brave, and actually lots of people died as a result. And here's the line from Matthew. In the story... Um, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the story is told to say that when you are doing this for Jesus, you're doing it for anyone, you're doing it for Jesus. And we kind of need to hear that because with anything like this, there's a huge amount of fear out there, isn't there? We all feel it. Well, how, the, how will our economy go? What are we going to do? And the terrible thing in these things is that, you know, that chart you see at the bottom, things like COVID-19 will tend to affect people on the bottom of the pile. The poor, often the elderly, who are not put in a high place of respect in our culture. And a, a woman who I greatly respect said, this, she said, we're called to acts of care, not acts of fear. Now, just let me explain that. When we wash our hands, you know how you wash your hands? Turns out I don't know how you wash your hands, because I've been watching videos about it, and we should all be singing songs while we do it to make sure it's long enough. Um, Helen will be standing up in front of her church and singing, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord... Why do we wash our hands? Well, yes, we do it so that we might not get sick, we might not get the virus, but we also do it so we might not pass it on to someone else. It's an act of care. Just as vaccination is an act of care. It's not just about you, the child, it's about other people. It's an act of care, a good thing to do. We are called to acts of care. And so as we did this morning, that was kind of fun. We hold back from hongies and handshakes and we elbow bump, or we, um, look, I'm a bit awkward with handshakes at the best of times, so and now we all have an excuse to be outrageously awkward when you greet people, because nobody knows what to do. Take that freedom and enjoy it. We do it as an act of care. We're caring for others. We don't know what's going to unfold from here. We might not have a church camp. We don't know if we'll be able to. There may come a time when we don't know if we'll have a service. When they say don't have gatherings of more than 100. It's happened in other places. It, it's, we're not there yet. Okay, we're not there yet. And a good indication is the schools are still meeting. As long as the schools are still meeting, they're going to have assemblies of large numbers of people. But if we go there, what's going to matter is that we grow in acts of care. Now, we can find ways to do sermons online and sing songs and that kind of stuff, but actually what matters is our acts of care for each other. And that means that we will be doing some thinking and planning about how can we do that if we couldn't meet together in a big group. 
it's happened. Well, I've, actually, that's not particularly new for me and Linda. When we were in, um, when we were in Hong, Hong Kong in the 1990s, we knew that in 1997, um, China was going to take over, and we didn't know if our church would ever be able to meet again after that. So we had to figure, how do you grow a church uh, of followers of Jesus when you can't rely on a main gathering? And you can. It puts, it, you have to put your emphasis on small groups. At the moment, Easter Camp is still going ahead. That's its situation at the moment. Mike Dodge has been in contact. Well, actually, that was true as of Thursday. <laughs> so pray for them. They're trying to put things in place. We'd love our youth to have a great time. It might not go ahead. Because we don't know what's happening from day to day, do we? But we're called to acts of care, not acts of fear. Well, what are the acts of fear? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to survive, so I rush down to the supermarket and I buy a toilet paper. Why are we buying toilet paper? What is that about? Is that an act of care? Well, you could claim it's for your family. No, it's an act of fear. Christians are made to run towards disaster, not run away. Because we have a history of making a difference in them. That's what we're called towards. And yet we can be really sensible and practical about this, and we'll try to be. We'll try and make sure we've got stuff to wash your hands. Look, at some stage, we um, thank you for chopping with David and so on. Thank you for cutting up the uh, bread. Yep. We cut up the bread rather than tear it this time because we'll do what we can to be practical about it. Yes? But don't get scared. Try and hold back the fear that makes us rush. In fact, one of the things I really appreciate um, in Jacinda Ardern's announcement yesterday, which is, my goodness, that's dramatic. We've never seen anything like this, have we? Maybe World War II. Um, one of the motivators was that New Zealand is the staging point for all the Pacific, these Pacific Islands, who have a terrible track record of um, foreign diseases coming and ravaging them. And she became aware that people will fly through New Zealand out there and, and their hospital services not so flash. I actually think if that's an act of care, we should be going yes. Because we're called to acts of care, not acts of fear. Acts of fear cause us to do stupid things. Um, sometimes uh, we live in an age where we are fond of conspiracy theories. Be careful of them. They lead us to this feeling of fear. I don't think that's what we're called to. I think we're called to respond with acts of care. Now, I thought, I'm going to do three little things here. I'd give a chance. Does anyone make it, want to make a comment? Ask a question. Yep. We want to know if you're sick. Please tell us if you're sick. Uh, please tell us if you're sick. Um, one of our concerns is, um, it is true, if you are sick, we'd like you not to come to our service. I'm really sorry about that, That's not what I, but we want to know, we don't want to miss, we want to be able to care for you. Does that make sense? But we need your help, because actually, um, I've been married to Linda for a long time, and I fail at mind reading with her, and I've known her for a long time. I haven't known any of you anything like as long as that, and my goodness, if that's what I'm like with Linda, I've got, yeah. Yes. What's that? Oh, look, I'm, no, 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 I'm not going there. Okay, any other comments? Yes. 
Um, yes, look, uh, we've, we've actually got the technology set up so we could do a live stream. Um, and, and, and we w if it turns out that we can't gather as a mass, we will do that. We will find a way of connecting. We'll create life groups for people who don't have them. We'll get some strategies in place. But I wanted to name it and say, listen, it's here. It hasn't really hit New Zealand majorly yet, but it probably will. Almost certainly will. And so we as a group of Christians want to be um, motivated more by care than fear. Okay. Let's hope. Let's pray. Okay. Have to acknowledge March the 15th. I just want to acknowledge this as here it is. Show proper respect to everyone. March the 15th last year was an illustration of what happens if you do keep responding with acts of fear. Part of what was motivating this character is he was scared that other uh, races and religions were taking over. And so he talked with lots of other people who were similarly scared. And they got themselves more and more scared. And their ultimate act of fear was to remove the lives of a whole bunch of people. And I'm with Dave. I'm, I'm proud of, that our response as a society when we were confronted with that was, no, we don't want to be that. Well, I want to say again, the Christian tradition of this is acts of care, not acts of fear. Watch for it in our voices. If you are talking with someone and you hear they're sounding scared, ask them, are you feeling scared about this? We don't want to go there. Last one, and I'm feeling nervous about this one, okay, honestly. Okay. Um, there's a March plan for the 28th, of, <laughs> the, the 28th of March. Will it happen? We don't know. Um, 28th of March, there's a March planned, starting in Cathedral Square, um, heading to New North Hagley Park. It's to oppose the new abortion bill. How many people know about that? Few? Yep. Okay, um, I want to acknowledge that that respect everyone, I think that applies to people before they have exited the womb and after. Okay, I, th I think it's everyone. Um, it also applies to mothers-to-be in impossible situations. It applies to people who've had abortions or miscarriages as it does to our politicians and emperors. In Peter's world, you wouldn't be able to have a political march like this. You'd all be killed. You had no voice. We live in a democracy, and in a democracy, it is appropriate for us to have a voice for you to express what you believe. But show proper respect to everyone. I don't know how much has been the case in New Zealand, but in America, this particular issue has been one where you have seen parties showing no respect to each other on all sides. That's not what Peter would argue for. So if you go to march, march with respect, even for those for whom you disagree. Um, and I would ask of you to recognise that this topic has tremendous weight to it. And it is very, very close to some. Um, for all of those of us who are blokes and have no uterus, maybe wait 30 seconds before you say anything. Um, because there are people around who have experiences that are incredibly close to them. And, and they will never share them if it's not safe. So I just want to express, 
uh, there's a lot of grief here from lived lives. Um, how do we show people respect? Well, I'd caution us and say, you're marching, you're having your say, just gently, carefully. Um, in the time of the early church, there was no birth control. So it was commonplace for a family that didn't have enough money to have their kids. This was a common action for everyone. Uh, you'd take your youngest, most sickly kid, and you'd take them to a place of the city that they didn't know, and you'd leave them in the gutter to starve. Or you'd take them to the city dump, and then you'd make an excuse, and again, you'd leave them. You'd take them somewhere where they couldn't get home, and you'd leave them because that's how your family could survive. That's ghastly, isn't it? The really cool thing is that the early Christians actually used to go out on the streets and gather these kids up and feed them and raise them. What do you think that would be like? Peter says we're supposed to live in such a way that anyone looking on can see our faith. If we were doing this, well, me and Linda would have to adopt, or if we weren't up for adopt, maybe pay for the raising of a child. Dip into our own wallets so that it hurts us. And say to everybody else, should we do that? That's a much less comfortable proposition than to express yourself on Facebook. I suspect that may be a really poorly chosen analogy, story, but I suspect that's what we're called to as Christians. How do we live our acts of care? How do we live that? Let's find out how nervous I needed to be. Questions or comments? You're all much wiser than I am. Show proper respect to everyone. I was talking to Linda about this and she said, Colin, we're supposed to love our enemies. I love what Peter does here because when he writes to people at the bottom of the pile who have no power, he says, no matter how powerless and out of control you feel, there's still a way for you to live well and let other people see what Jesus is like. I think that absolutely 100% applies to us here now. You may feel powerless. You may feel like you have no voice. You may feel like all this stuff, it's happening. What can we do about it? It's all out there. But Peter seems to think that there are people watching us and that we're called to live lives of faith. Uh, none of this, in my opinion, means that you can't um, be toey and protest. I just think we have to do it with respect. So I'd like to pray. We've talked about some basics. We've talked about us as a community. I'd like to pray for God's spirit to be on us. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to be caring for others. We want to acknowledge that there are a lot of things that make us scared. In fact, our culture just loves us to be scared because it motivates us to do so much. But 
we would love to live lives of love poured out to you and to others. And so we pray you do that with the threat of COVID-19. We pray you do that as we meet people who are truly other to us and I don't understand them and yet how do I listen? How do I respect? Is there anything I can affirm? How can I serve? We pray that you'd be with us in a culture that we know is broken because we will treat living people and people not yet born with no respect. God have mercy on us. God have mercy on this world through us. And one day we would like the history books to look back at us as they will through Parklands for the earthquake and think, man, I'd like to have been like they were. Amen. I'm going to sing uh, Build, Build Your Life at last song and that'll bring our service to the end. And then there's tea and coffee and you can chat with people and bump elbows. Or, or uh, I think the kicking one's going to get out of hand. Yes. 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 I'll bring your mic. In the early hours of the morning, about four o'clock this morning, I got God quickened scripture to me, and it was, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Nice. Can I have the team?